Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Hola, buongiorno, and g'day. Welcome to the Worst Idea of All Time, Season 4, Episode 20. That makes this the 420 episode. Hey, uh, I don't know what that's in reference to, Tim, but you sound excited, and that in turn makes me excited. Fuck, actually, I hadn't even put that together till right in this moment, so um, keep talking for a second. I'm going to grab my vape. Or a bong. I'm going to grab a bong. I can see it. Hold on. Keep talking. Way to go. Uh, for those of you listening along, it is roughly 10 a.m., <laughs> in New Zealand, making it roughly 4 p.m. here. Actually, we're recording slightly after 10 a.m. Uh, it's it's 4.17 p.m. here, meaning in three minutes it will be uh, a 4.20 moment within the 4.20 podcast. While you're loading that thing up, Tim, I want to ask you a question because it drives me insane here. In New Zealand, whenever we're writing the date, we always go the date within the month. So say today would be the 22nd or view the 23rd then the month so january so we say 23 1 the year 19 here in america oh you do the dates wrong they do the month first yeah lunacy is that not crazy to you it doesn't make any fucking sense this is like um wasn't there a space shuttle or something that exploded because the americans were still using Imperial on on one of the calculations. That sounds like information that you, of the two of us, only you would have and retain enough of. Um, that's that's all I can remember. It's not enough. That's not bad though. Uh, anyway, it, it drives me nuts. And you know, while there is no denying the fact that listening to you assemble a bong for yourself for the arbitrary reason that this is our twentieth episode of the fourth season of the worst idea of all time is outstanding mm. audio content. Yeah. Uh, let me kick this. Are you? Are you? You've got your hands free. I'm on a handheld, so I'm imagining you're in the same situation. But you, you've got, got your my face hands up free. to a microphone. Yeah. Oh, Mate, very cool. You better believe I am disassembling some sticky yucky and putting it into a little bowl as we speak. Truly, you are the telemarketer of the podcast world. You know, some I'm people are selling. Still... I ain't selling anything. No, no, no. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm uh, oh. trying to suggest. Just the, the headset, the situation, oh, the fact that. <laughs> You've got, Fun. you know, your hands on a stress ball, one hand on a cush ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Nah, just some kush, my dude. I wish that I did have a um, like a podcasting headset with a good enough microphone. That that appeals to me for some reason. Takes me back to my call center days. Oh, Have you I did spend... about my call center days. On this of party? course, there's virtually no stone in our respective lives that has been left unturned. Yeah. Uh, I do forget that you were a genuine call center employee, though. Do you know what? You've got a very disarming demeanor. Everyone mm-hmm. who meets you, Tim, they're always quite taken by you. Do you know that? That's so sweet. Yeah. I was going to go fill this bong with more water, but now I want this praise. So I'm going to stick around. Ah, uh, yeah, that's exactly why I did it. I had the sense that you were going to have a dry bong. Uh, no, it's true. When people meet you, you you, you give off a, a what is a genuine, but also immediately uh, transferable sense of curiosity and empathy that a lot of people don't. You're very good in conversation, uh, and you have a warmth that sort of transcends uh, how well you know someone. I feel like it is immediately communicated in your demeanor. And oh, my so, goodness. It's my uh, birthday. I know. But all that to say, I think you do an outstanding job on the phones. You were calling up people and asking for them to pay their taxes. Have I got that Well, right? yeah, you're not far off. I did work at the tax department, though I was dealing with the incoming calls. I wasn't in the, uh, what do they call it? It was like fucking Outgoing debt collection calls? or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. The, oh, Bay the Corp. debt side of things. Hey? Bay Corp. Nah, man, the tax department doesn't use Bay Corp. So if... If, the, if those of you listening, uh, sorry, our one libertarian listener, um, if, you're, if you're fortunate enough to never have gone into enough debt to be chased down, um, God bless you. But otherwise, there's a... Is Baycorp International? I don't know if it's just the company yeah. that deals with New it's Zealand It's only happened to me in New Zealand. Baycorp's the, um, the central debt collection private company that fucks your shit up when you don't pay your library <laughs> fine for long enough. But the tax department, they just like use their own peeps because the tax department's fucking legit. It's like a little army unto itself. Yeah. You got a lot of fond memories of your uh, the people who served with you, Tim? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, big time, man. I loved working at the tax department. Well, loved is a strong word. I love getting paid by them. It was a fucking <laughs> um, pretty nifty little entry-level job. And I when went in the complaints department for a bit. When you'd walk into the office, who was the person you were the most excited to see? Who was the first person you'd want to talk to that morning? Oh, fuck. Good question. Uh, when I first started, probably my brother, because I didn't know anyone there. He he um, sort of helped me get the job in there. Nepotism. That's what makes uh, tax collection work. <laughs> That's what makes virtually 90% of industry go around, it would seem. Mm. In answer to your question, though, Guy, I don't know, man. Um, it was a long time ago. I wasn't well, the framework... looking forward to seeing anyone. I assume yeah. that there was some... Um, you know, there's always some uh, some office cuties that you're looking forward to, um, to seeing. <laughs> this is what keeps you going in an office, eh? Office cuties. Yeah. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess so. And eventually, perhaps, a, a genuine piece of companionship. But uh, mm. there is nothing like a harmless sort of uh you know what's what's the word called a harmless impotent workplace crush yeah the, it's the little moments it's the it's the butterflies as they walk past your desk or whatever or you know whatever your workplace is those are the little moments that give you enough adrenaline to get through the five hours st- that you're staring down the barrel of you know immediately afterwards fuck imagine those poor schmucks like for every time up until now who would who weren't working with the opposite sex 
Well, I mean, a lot of those people were probably, uh, you know, quite happily working with only members of the same sex. I'm, of course, talking about members of the queer community. Yeah, fucking power to them, but still not the majority. Like, this this way, everyone gets some. You know what I'm saying? You put the two genders, or put all the <laughs> genders together, and everybody suddenly gets some. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not talking about action. I'm talking about harmless office flirtations. Yeah, it all takes place on a slightly elevated platform. How do you mean? Oh, yeah, well, everything's I- a bit heightened. And I'm also speaking specifically to that little envelope of time when you're in your mid-20s and you just first start working in offices. It's a very, I don't know, I'm describing a very specific, I'm describing my past, I think. Yeah. Specifically. That's what we're here for. Uh, yeah. So And so long as we are here for that, why don't we talk a little bit more about your immediate past, the 20th squ- screening of... Uh, Sex in the City, uh, yeah. both both solo ventures for us this time, and you were mm-hmm. sending me, not necessarily dark, but certainly a few messages uh, that suggested you weren't in the best headspace. No, I wasn't enjoying it. I think um, it's just a very downhill prospect from here on in. I'm trying to think of ways to, to zhuzh it up, but with the time zone thing, it makes it quite hard. Yeah, well, you 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 I just wrote. To start my day with it. I hate this. You know, thirty six minutes into the the screening. Yeah, and uh, and then I wrote back saying, uh, Tim, I agree, it's not good, and I'll be five minutes late today. I'm sorry because I started the watch five minutes after the scheduled kickoff. Mm. And you said, I don't want you to worry about that. This is what told me you were in a dark spot. I don't want you to worry about that. I love you, and this sucks. Um, Both of those things are true. And I stand by them. Oh, I, I don't doubt it, but uh, when you when I read that, that's when I was like, oh, wow, Tim's in a really uh, dark spot this morning because, you know, I, I was apologizing. It is frustrating to be late, but I was also sort of doing it in quite a lighthearted sense. But the grave tone that you struck in responding to it told me that uh, the sort of the, the sunglasses through which you were viewing the world weren't rose tinted. They were a slightly darker shade. No, they were actually Alan P. Yellow because I got some promotional sunnies um, yesterday at the flicks because I, I just I lost my sunglasses again. Fucking and did you again. did you watch the whole movie through these shades? I should do that. I didn't, but I should. Maybe that would add uh, a little variety, a little spice. Yeah, a little je ne sais something. Um, what about so just putting a bit of cellophane on top of your screen? That'd do it, wouldn't it? It would be so frustrating. I can't see a world in which that would enhance anything other than being irate at the TV screen for playing the movie that you are feeding into it. But at uh, least it's a different kind of irate. At this point, that's, I just need I need something. But I mean, that's, that's a level up of being irate though, isn't it? Because then you're not just sabotaging your life by watching the movie, but you're, it's... Like you're sabotaging the environment in which you're already doing the bad thing. You're not doing something to counteract the bad thing. You're making it more frustrating. I I, I would disagree with that because I think, uh, as the saying goes, change is as good as a holiday. So if you chuck a bit of cellophane on your screen when you have to watch the movie the 20th time, maybe just that difference is enough novelty to rekindle a little bit of interest in the product. Uh, well, I mean, you know, maybe not... You won't get to find out on the 20th screening, but on the 21st, there's nothing to stop you from uh, putting in the, the hours and doing the research there, Tim. Um, 
I'd like to quickly turn conversation to the actual contents of the movie. This was something I've been meaning to get off my chest for a while, but we've had a run of guests, so you I are haven't fucking spoken about it. Obsessed with talking about this movie, you're obsessed. <laughs> you got a problem with that? It's you need other interests, man. The but thing go to, on. What do you? The what thing, do you have to just, say? The, the thing to me about it, it feels like if you know we. Uh, or in my experience, I am going to go through the experience of watching this movie. We might as well, you know, dang talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's right. So when Miranda is broaching the conversation about sex with the gals uh, and talking about how her and Steve maybe aren't having as much sex as, as uh, might be normal or she might or he might like, uh, she rattles off a list of reasons why it's hard to find the time to have sex. Mm. Um. And a mother-in-law amongst... with advancing Alzheimer's in a rest home. That's uh, exactly right. A full-time that's, job. That's, uh, those, I don't care about the other ones. Oh. The mother-in-law in a rest home with advancing Alzheimer's is what I want to talk about. That is an incredible you know, uh, piece of information to deploy quite early in the film. <laughs> yes, it like, is. So what we have is you know, Steve's yeah. mum... The fact she brings up the rest home suggests it's a reasonably recent development. The advancing Alzheimer's, I mean, once you have Alzheimer's, I assume it's 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 continually advancing. It's always advancing, never receding. Yeah. That's what I know but, about Alzheimer's. I mean, do we not want more out of this? Do you does it does that line jump out at you as like there's so much oh, dude, information just, to offer? It, it's surely surely this is in the T V show. Whenever there's a line like that in this movie, I'm just like, I'm sure they covered all of that in the final season of the TV show. Fucking Samantha's cancer, you know, like uh, the the chemo treatment she talks about. I assume we saw all of that in vivid detail. I don't know. I'm just assuming. Because you wouldn't just bang that kind of clunker of a line in there. Uh, that you does don't you think? make some sense to me. But say, uh, so this movie took place four hours after, Four hours, sorry, four years after the conclusion of the... <laughs> Imagine if it was four hours. That's such good fucking promo. Just like, here's the season finale. Now run, <laughs> run to the Cineplex. That would be a real uh, sort of ambush PR strategy or media release, you know, like like Beyonce <laughs> dropping lemonade. Um, I guess, yeah, no, you're right. I, and, you know, I never watched the movie through that prism. I mean, I, I tried to and spoke about it in the last episode with Io, but I never... Uh, watch the movie, you know, securing the knowledge that there's been that whole show before. If I hear a line like that, I'm like, well, don't just fucking touch on it. You know, show me. Mm. Let's, Let's get, get into, into it. it. Do, you, do you want to meet Steve's mum? Uh, you know, as always, if only for a variety of company, I would love to meet Steve's mum. It always sticks out to me. But you think this is addressed in the show four years earlier. Man, that's that's all I can assume. It's too big to not. I'm actually in Miranda's exact situation. I too have a mother-in-law uh, in a rest home with advancing Alzheimer's. It's a big thing. So I assume you would cover it in a show. You don't you don't you don't ram something like that randomly into your film and let the audience fill in well, the gaps. But then again, fuck, I don't know. I don't have a, a ton of trust in mattress pikelet. So you know, the way uh, the ways conver- the way knows? conversation works is you don't always get to cover all the stuff that's touched upon in sentences. You know, other people latch on to yeah. certain words. 
a lot of the time someone will hear a word which will trigger the thing that they want to talk about and then you know they completely tune out it just becomes a contest to make sure they get the first word in on the next sentence so that they can start controlling the conversational direction Oh, I don't like that. That's not something you should throw at someone who's just ripped a bong, guy. That is very... <laughs> when you start doing a meta-analysis of conversation and how you can fuck it up to a guy who's just had a couple of lungfuls of uh, God's green piece in New Zealand, you know, it's, uh, it's dangerous but, weaponry. Uh, <laughs> do you not agree right that that is how conversation works sometimes? You know, when you're in the, when you're yeah, in the sure, midst sometimes. of a bad conversation, that sort of stuff is absolutely running riot. Not us, though, eh, guy? We're good at convos. Could you repeat that? Sorry? I said not us, though, eh? Yeah, we're all right. We run hot and cold. I think everyone does, you know, quite naturally. Uh, Yeah, I think we do well, actually, to um, manage or or attack or fight the little nanosecond uh, delay that goes between our conversations now through the internet. It's it's a tricky old thing, that little half a yeah, second, absolutely. isn't it? But we're both patient listeners and learning to get better all the time. I often think of it when you're in those conversations because I've been the person who's waiting. I really want to get something off my chest. As you know, when you have uh, less so now as an adult, but certainly in younger adulthood down towards the tail end of childhood, uh you and some friends would get together and you'd start watching YouTube videos. Sure. And you have what is, you know, categorically and undeniably the best YouTube video to share with the group, but someone else is holding court on the floor by playing their video. And you just are not yes. absorbing or watching any of their video because in your head you're just sort of nodding along, being like, I can't wait to type in this sucker, you know. And when you're doing it, it's sort of permissible. Absolutely. But then what happens is you load up that video and someone else has got their version of the best video on YouTube ready to go. And they don't engage with your video the way you yeah. want to. And you have to keep pausing it and going back and saying, no, 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 you've got to actually watch the whole thing. It's almost as if every person is like living their own life in the, in, the <laughs> in the first person, you know? Which is a terrifying concept. It is. They are absolutely, I guess, yeah. I've never heard that little first person addendum, which I loved him. Well, I yeah, it's because I know we've talked about this um, before, I think, and, and I wanted to whip up some new phrasing on it. But that's essentially what it is, isn't it? It's a, it's the concept that every single person, their life is done in the first person. Because that's not how you think yeah. about them. You th- they're, a, they're an other. Absolutely. Uh, like, yeah, how long, how long it took me to realize, you know, when you a conversation finishes, especially when you're younger and you leave the conversation, the other person also leaves the conversation, and you go to do something, they also actually go and do something? That one is a real mindfuck, eh? Of being like, everyone is out there right now doing something. <laughs> They're doing something out there, and I don't know what it is oh, at all. I'm, gl- I'm glad to catch you on the back end of two lungfuls, Tim. Uh, any yeah. any stray observations from the movie this week? Not a shining light, not necessarily an axe to grind, but anything you saw that you thought, hey, how about a bit of this? I messaged you this, but the amount of wasabi that Samantha replies to the sushi that she's making for Smith when he comes home on Valentine's Day is absurd. She She's going to take someone out with that amount of wasabi. Like, it's fucked. She's dunking it in there like it's ketchup. This is... 
a real problem. Uh, different people have different sort of taste buds and different... Uh, have you seen this, though? Uh, I can't remember it vividly. I think I've noticed it before. But, you know, in your advancing years, I think your taste buds erode more and more than when you're younger. So, Dude, there's no person <laughs> alive who could handle this amount of wasabi. Now, the only thing that I could concede is perhaps it's that um, fake wasabi made of horseradish, which is very common, and I think it's... it's uh, you get kind of the heat, but not that same wasabi yeah. flavor to it. It's a little weaker, so maybe maybe it's that. But even if it's horseradish, my god, she's still—it's <laughs> fucking crazy. She's ruined the dish. I mean, that's a given. She's absolutely ruined it. It's not food at that point. It's just a challenge, which is something I enjoy doing sometimes. Just making something so fucking spicy and hot. It's like this is no longer food. It's just a personal challenge for myself. Yeah, she does later complain of getting wasabi in places one should never get wasabi. Well, I'm not fucking surprised. <laughs> you use that amount of wasabi, it's going to get everywhere. Yeah. I uh, I love it. I um it's staggering, man. You yeah, need to look out for this. I absolutely will. Watch, the, the whole sushi thing still does. You know, we slept on it for so long, but just the absolute absurdity of as a romantic gesture on Valentine's Day opting for, you know, one of the least romantic smelling and textural foods. Like, I could think of few greater boner killers than introducing raw fish to the bedroom. <laughs> I don't know. There is a certain sensuality to sushimi. <laughs> but sushi sushi itself, it's more the rice to me. Rice? It's like, oh, it's, and it's rice that gets yeah, you? Yeah. Well, rice is in no way sexual. What or is sexual, sexual or about a raw slab of fish? You're referring to it as a slab. That is not what we're dealing with. If it's sushi, it's like a beautiful, fresh, thinly cut. You know, it's a no. delicacy. And probably they say all seafoods an aphrodisiac, don't they? I know they say that for oysters no, and absolutely a whole bunch not of shellfish. Because texturally, what we're talking about, even in the world of sashimi, it's too close to human flesh. Yeah. It's <laughs> there has to be a point of distinction that is greater than, you know, flesh on flesh. <laughs> rice is good. Introducing rice between the bits of fish and the skin at least creates some point of contact, which you go food, body. If it's just fish, it's just, it's just not, it's not cricket. This is one of those things that I wish that this podcast now existed in a slightly different format or medium so we could kind of go to the phones or throw a, a poll on or something. Because I, I will stand, I will fucking die defending the opinion that rice is less sexual than sushimi. 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 Sushi me. Sushi me. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, well, Tim, I would I would delight in uh, in this sort of head to head taking place in the public sphere, and what say the loser of the poll must cover themselves mm. in the in nude in the food that they were defending. That seems like a real Guy Montgomery thing, but I'll do it. Well, I just sort of I'll do it. We've got to we've got to figure enhances out enhances the, the stakes. That is not. F- this isn't coming from nowhere, folks. Guy Montgomery's uh, poster, which he's just put out for his comedy shows, which is admittedly absolutely hilarious, is him naked urinating into a swimming pool with the title of the show covering 
his genitals. Yeah, and that show is actually on sale now through all of the Australian and New Zealand festivals. It's called I Was Part of the Problem Before We Were Talking About It. If you plug in my name, the show name in your city, get tickets, I'll see you there. I mean, it was such a setup, Tim. I simply had to. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. We're um, well, there, aren't we? while you observed Samantha and her greedy little fingers doling out more wasabi than is you know responsible or reasonable for sushi consumption, I greedy little may fingers very Absolutely. well have stumbled into um, something massive. A conspiracy? I don't know that it's conspiracy, but uh, I may have located Coffee Guy. This is yeah. big. This is very big. This is bigger than big. Uh, so, Tim, what do we know about Coffee Guy as he exists in Sex in the City 2? Can you please tell me everything? We know that he loves coffee. Mm-hmm. We know that he has a newspaper. We know that he is um, appears to be in a rush. I'm not sure if that is a perpetual state of or just in that moment we saw. What's he wearing? He's wearing a, from memory, like a brown suit, like a brown casual suit. Is that right? Uh, he is wearing a suit. I cannot remember the color. I feel like it might be gray. Yeah, you might be right. But he's oh, very much yeah. uh, straight up and down, you know, cut and dried sort of business fellow. I mean, what nefarious deeds that requires is. that unholy amount of Java is unknowable. But the fact of the matter is he looks like... Uh, Pretty ordinary, put-together fella. He's a stock photo of lower middle management and a big, big building. I would now like to direct your attention towards a scene also set in a cafe in Sex in the City. Now, we know that Tom Stratford, the actor who portrays Coffee Guy, is credited not in Sex in the City, the credits, but on IMDb, presumably by his own hand, as Elaine's friend. Elaine herself is not credited. Mm. We don't know necessarily who Elaine is in this movie. However, when Miranda is writing up a list of pros and cons and reuniting with her estranged husband, Steve, in the background of frame, Mm. in a coffee shop, sitting across the table from an unnamed woman, we see a man. And not just any man. He is a bikey. He's got thick sideburns. He's got a bandana covering his head. He may wear, he, he's got sunglasses either on his forehead or on his eyes. He's got a real devil-may-care attitude, and he is drinking coffee at a reasonable pace. Mm. I mean, there is no one else I've found in 20 it. screenings of the movie who has so much connective tissue to Coffee Guy as we see him in Sex in the City 2. So the question then becomes... What transpires between Sex in the City, release date of, I think, 2008, and Sex in the City 2, a release date of 2010, I believe, that could have taken this what? relaxed, bikey, you know, and yeah. entirely turned around his life and lifestyle to become this, you know, the, who drinks coffee, you know, when and as he pleases, on his own terms, at his own pace, into this absolute hound, this maniac, this coffee-chugging lunatic who cannot get out of the cafe soon enough. 
You keep saying he's a bikey. What do you mean by that? Like he came in I mean, on a he bike. is dressed as a bikey dresses. And I'm not talking about a road bike. I'm talking oh. about a full-fledged motorbike. A hog. A hog. A, a road hog. Now, you probably need to lay eyes on this guy to fully understand how yeah, likely it is so. what I'm talking about. So at this point, I would like to suggest we pause the podcast. I'm going to bring up the time code. Oh, fuck it. Are you for real? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back. Some people just had an ad break just then. Oh, nice. So you don't think it's possible these two different characters, guy? This person who's changed their appearance a lot? Who we only see and never hear. I don't think so. I think Tom Stratford, the actor, he's obviously, you know, carved out a specialty in coffee acting, acting with his hands around caffeine. Uh, coffee Coffee acting. shops are a great place for him to ply his trade. You know, we know that he's the friend of a character named Elaine who goes uncredited and we don't necessarily see. It would make a lot of sense uh, for this to be Elaine. You know, for no other reason than no one else that we see in the coffee shop at the time is dining or has the same indicators uh, as this guy does. It just, it, it all makes a little too much sense. <laughs> to you. When have you got the time code up? Uh, well, I actually, I thought, it, fuck, you saw that guy right in the, he looks like Dave Grohl. Are you talking about the dude with the bandana? Absolutely. Keep watching it. You think that's coffee guy? No, because I, I did it before. I skipped right past him. I didn't know what shot. You get another reverse about. shot when uh, Miranda admires her milk moustache in the mirror. Really? And he's gripping. This, this, he's gripping a cup of coffee. I don't know about you, Guy Montgomery. I think you. <laughs> he's in the mirror. What's his? That ain't coffee, guy, my guy. Who is it then? Some other dude drinking coffee. Love where your head's at, but I'm not going to give you that. They look too different. Agree to disagree. He's got so, 
that biker man you're describing has such a distinct look to him. He looks like a, the kind of guy who really fucked around with a hacky sack until his 30s. I want to read an email to you, Guy, because this pertains to what you're talking about. I don't actually know exactly which cafe scene this email is about, but it's about one of them, okay? Okay. Um, hey, hope you're well. Uh, I was once an extra on the hit Australian soap Neighbours for two episodes, sitting in the green room. All the extras were talking about what work they'd recently done. It was boring stuff mostly, until someone dropped that they were in a scene of the Sex in the City movie sitting at a table in a cafe. Of course, they were suddenly extra number one and were blasted with questions, with the most obvious being that classic entertainment question, how'd you get that, came at them. They said they were just eating at the cafe. The Sex and the City crew rocked up and started filming, so they decided to stay to see if they could get in the background. The crew never asked them to leave, so they made it in. Not sure if this means they just didn't care where they filmed, if it was some kind of impressive improv movie, or the movie was secondary to an elaborate tax scheme and they simply didn't care where or who they filmed. Do with this information what you wish, but I'm sure you'll be able to see the bigger picture that I'm missing out on. So there's quite a few cafes in this film, so I'm not actually 100% sure which scene they're talking about. But doesn't that strike you as um, slightly fucking haphazard, that a big old Hollywood feature film like this, they just picked a cafe and rolled it? That does seem insane to me. Uh, that almost seems to me less likely than the fact that some extra on the cast of Neighbours would just have a bit of fun during the break by making up unwieldy lies about their previous work the fact that the- i think you're right i didn't even consider that when i read the email but saying it out loud i'm like this aussie is full it of is shit. so unlikely that a movie with the budget and the scale of sex in the city would rely on an uncontrolled environment at all to capture what they need to put this movie together i don't think it's a good movie but i don't doubt that they at least did their you know the bare minimum to qualify as a movie it's fucking Australians, man, and their tall tales. They've got to be stopped. Uh, I am I am truly devastated by your dismissal of this theory, Tim. I'm sorry, but, you know, it's incumbent upon me as the only other person with you on this journey to check yourself when you're about to wreck yourself. And the person who you've pointed out as coffee guy just has no well, it's semblance been, of he similarity. Does. He's holding a cup of coffee. He's in a cafe. He's in Sex in the City. I mean, these are pretty much... Mate, so is Miranda. Is Miranda Absolutely not. She is a named character. There are only so many people with the clues we have who can fit the description of Coffee Guy. This guy is with an unnamed woman, potentially Elaine. He is drinking coffee. He's drinking coffee at whatever pace he so chooses... Who are we to say that in his life, huge, momentous things don't happen between now and two years from now when we see him again, clean cut, sideburns Sean, bandana off, suit on, chugging the stuff before he storms out that fucking door to kick a horse up its backside or whatever it is he's got to go and do. I would be with you were it not for the fact that we see both of these gentlemen's faces and it is not the same gentleman. He's wearing a disguise. He's wearing a disguise in the cafe? In the second movie, you reckon? 
Too long ago, we set out on a quest to locate Coffee Guy in the first movie. Neither of us have had any returns. I find Mm. something which fits all of the pieces nigh on perfectly. And you're just going to say, no? Have you met Elaine in Sex in the City? Have you seen... I've upset you? That was not my intention. I apologize for that guy. I don't know who Elaine is. I don't know where Coffee Guy is. I don't know. I will continue looking. Well, I don't think we've found him. I think we have. And it also is starting to feel like you're calling the great Tom Stratford a liar. Nah, I'm not. Though I will say I am less hopeful of finding him than I was at the outset. It, so it, does, is that guy sitting next to a woman at least who we could hang in a line you haven't even of? You haven't even done the research. Yes, he's sitting next to a woman. There are two different shots detailing the fact that she could very well be Elaine. One, front on, out of focus, yes, but front on. The other, side on. Two characters in profile, Miranda in the foreground, wiping a milk moustache off her face in the mirror. Listener, I just want you to know that the shots guy is talking about are literally like a half a second each. These shots that he's screaming at me about not knowing well enough, they are on screen for the smallest It's there. Clear as day. Guy, hit me hit me uh or should I do a shining light? I've I, I wanna I wanna <laughs> I stand I behind like myself. I'd like to apologize. The first shot is not in fact of the woman who I assume to be Elaine, but it is of Coffee mm. Guy in his current two thousand and eight status as a bikey. Yeah. Or perhaps yeah. a man of mystery who is in disguise. Who's to say? It doesn't matter so, how many disguises you've got though. There are enough coffee shops in New York City for even the world's premier most wanted spy. But there is Elaine is there in the other shot. Are you saying, or she's, she's in both? Neither. But in the she's first shot, her back is to the camera, not as gotcha. advertised. Her front, and the second shot, okay. she is caught in profile. Well, let me ask you this: If she is less prominent in the shot, why does she get a name? Why is it uh, Elaine and Elaine's friend? Why would a spy want their name in the public sphere? Um, why is Elaine not actually credited? Like maybe Tom Stratford just did more work on his backstory than whoever the extra was who portrayed Elaine. Maybe Elaine didn't actually call herself Elaine. Maybe Coffee Guy just came in and said, the person who I'm talking to in my mind's eye, as the actor I am who is prepared for his day on set as Coffee Guy, which is a name I don't want to go by because Coffee Guy is a spy and I'm naming my character within the character, knowing that he wants to mask his identity. So instead, I'll identify myself as the friend of the person I'm having coffee and dining with, Elaine. Ergo, Elaine's friend. You're coming at me with a very non-420 friendly energy in this episode. This is wigging me out. I desperately tried to follow what you were saying just then. I got lost. This is an incredibly 420 friendly energy. Do you think? Absolutely. I will say this. It's yep. probably time to move on. But okay. <laughs> next time you watch the movie, I hope you do it with a heavy heart and a pocket full of regrets, my friend, because you will soon come around to the theory that this is Coffee Guy and something significant okay. has happened in the year 2009 to our hero. I, I look forward to coming to that realization. Um, but for now, shining lights? Question mark? When Carrie is arriving at the wedding in her 
you know, it changes week to week. But today, frankly, ludicrous uh, wedding outfit, namely her headpiece. There oh, yeah, is the bird. When she steps out of the the wedding car, there is a woman in the background in a black dress who is sort of on the left-hand side of frame who's, you know, getting ready to walk through frame. And uh, given the information you've actually just given me, I don't know if this woman is an extra who is turning something on special for the camera or perhaps just someone who is shocked by what they've seen. But Carrie steps out of the car in her wedding dress. The woman in the black dress, her mouth drops open in, like, shock as though to say, oh, my God. And she doesn't correct her jaw. So she remains slack-jawed for as long as she's seen Carrie, mm-hmm. uh, which tells me that it is not like a positive shock, like, oh, my God, she looks beautiful, but more <laughs> of a negative shock, like, oh, my God, she's getting married in that? <laughs> and uh, I thought it was a funny angle to take from the performer. I thought it was very well-performed and delivered. And uh, that was my shining light this week. What a great piece of human observation that if you slack-jawed briefly but then it transitions into a smile, you are impressed, taken aback by how amazing the thing is. But if you remain in that facial expression for too long, you're just kind of disgusted with what's going on. Well, yeah, if you if you don't you know, bother to correct, I feel like, although you might not correct if you are overjoyed, but I feel like the slack-jawed expression would turn into a smile, whereas if it's just sort of, it remains mouth agape. You're in total disbelief. And Guy, have you ever been so happy that you've been slack-jawed for so long someone could interpret it as disgust? Uh, it's possible, although I get I get very smiley when I'm happy. A, a sort of my face can't hide the feeling. And I, I do enjoy the sensation. You feel a smile spread across your face, but you also feel its energy spread through your body. And uh, I don't think that I've ever just remained slack-jawed in a moment of pure happiness. You? Yeah, not that I can think of. It's a good question. Not that I can think of. I don't know if it is. It's a weird question. My shining light, and this may be coloured a little bit by some real-life events at the moment, but is Samantha's dog. It's a cute dog. Yeah. And Uh, uh, Any particular moment? Yeah, it was fucking. Now I'm trying to remember exactly what the shot was. It's is it? it it's not the wedding. It's before then, the second wedding at City Hall. But is there a bit where she? And it's not the bit at the party either at Carrie's apartment. Um, the baby shower. It's not that. But it's uh, fuck. I can't remember where it is. But all four gals are hanging out, and the dog's there. And you you enjoyed the dog? Isn't that bad? I should probably be able to, to name what scene that is by this stage, eh? Don't sweat it too I, much, my friend. I've um I've been trying to memorize the script just for something to do. And I it, it happens the same way every time. I'm getting pretty good at the start, um, but I just fucking like tune out. The movie is so fucking long. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's hard going. I actually have a little dog highlight up my sleeve. Um Oh yeah? One thing that did make me laugh a little bit, it wasn't a shining light, but I certainly enjoyed it, was um, when Samantha is, you know, lying controversially covered in sushi, which we both agree is disgusting for different reasons, uh, sort of, you know, ready to fuck. And the movie has hammered home the points of similarity between Samantha and her dog. 
uh, there's a very funny little sort of knowing nod that we see in frame from the dog, uh, sort of towards halfway between Samantha and the camera, which suggests that this very intelligent dog, you know, this horny little dog is thinking, yeah, I get it. I love that. You're ready to fuck. And um, I love that. I don't know if the dog gets credit. I don't know if Mattress Pike Clip, Kim Cattrall, the camera person, the dog trainer, but, um, you know. Give it to the dog. Give it to the dog. Do you know, I had never put together in my head before that when Samantha buys the dog from the, the seller, she says um, she's been fixed, but she still gets the urge. I didn't realize how, like, one-to-one connected that line was supposed to be to Samantha and that her relationship was a metaphor for having a dog hysterectomy. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, did you realize that's what happens with female dogs? I didn't know that. They remove their whole goddamn uterus. Uh, I did not know the particulars of neutering a female dog. But if it's a boy dog, it's just bloody... I don't know. They would chop his nuts off. Chop his, chop his nuts off. Which but, is... But uh, a female dog, it's way more full on. I mean, to be fair, it's full on for both. But um, yeah, the it is possible that the movie wasn't trying to do that, and you've just seen it because of how intelligent you are and how much work you're putting into. Nah, do you think? She says she's still been fixed. Oh, she's been fixed, but she still gets the urge. And then th- there's like a very intentional shot on Samantha who like lights up because it's like that has spoken directly to my situation. I'm getting this dog. Who's to say? We are running out of time. Uh, which we means... are. You and I. You, Guy Montgomery, me, Tim Bat. I reckon it's intentional. You can come with me on that or not. I'll understand if you want to lash out and chastise me after what I did to your coffee guy theory. Uh, no, I, I look, it's, I'll, I'll split the difference. I think these are crumbs that have been left not just for everyone, but for those mm. of us willing to roll our sleeves up, grab a shovel, and dig a fucking hole to sit in for 52 weeks. Um, before we go, though, it's very important, as always, we get out Tim's favorite segment, which is uh, I don't want to bother you guys. Yeah. Now, I feel like as the person who champions this segment week in, week out, it might be time for you to step up to the plate and tell me what exactly Steve's big gesture is upon exiting that taxi cab. So, Steve gets out of the car and approaches the group and says, um, sorry, I don't want to bother you guys, but is anyone be negative? And they say, Steve, what are you talking about? And he says, I got a paper cut, and it turns out um, I, I recently did my genealogy, and I'm connected to royal blood, so I guess this makes sense. I've got, uh, what's that fucking blood thing called? Where your blood doesn't clot? Starts with an H. Oh, Hema. I can't remember the name Fuck. of it, but continue talking. I'll do the research while you walk us Please through. Please what... Google that. That'll kill. That'll absolutely destroy me. Anyway, he's been bleeding out from a paper cut uh, at home for a long time. And at first he was like, it's a paper cut. This is fine. I'm, I'm big, tough Steve. You know, I do big, tough stuff. And then he started feeling a little bit woozy, and he was like, oh, this thing is just... <laughs> pouring out of my hand this is not good hemophilia so he, hemophilia thank you 
So he does what any New Yorker would do, hails a cab with his last bit of energy, and um, instead of going for the hospital and entrusting his life to the public healthcare system because he doesn't uh, have insurance, um, he he just goes to the party and wants to directly connect someone's blood into his body using a, a contraption that he's invented himself, um, which utilizes a sort of makeshift hydraulic pump um, and and some not so sterile needles. Jesus, yeah, it's pretty full on. But I think it's important <laughs> that we all remember how serious paper can be, and that you need to respect it. Absolutely, the idea of anyone arriving to a, an event uninvited and asking if anyone has the same blood type as they do is mm. harrowing and inspiring. I, for one, can't think of a better place to end this episode of the podcast. Tim? Uh, uh, just make sure that you tweet either uh, rice or fish or sashimi or some variants on that. It's rice versus the, the sea life. We'll, we'll, we'll put the specifics tweet, of... Your tweet is, what are you saying, guy? We're going to make a poll. Yeah, yeah. We'll, cre- we'll create a functioning poll. No, we uh, won't. I won't. I won't time that out when this comes out. No I will I'll remember. I okay, will. Great. All right, go check Guy Montgomery's Twitter account and make sure you vote on there. And we'll see you guys in the next episode, which I assume is me watching it tomorrow morning, which makes me very sad. See ya. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out. I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.